We're talking with John Paul Mac Isaac, and he is the owner of the now shuttered The Mac Shop in Greenville, Delaware. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News, John Paul. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. If you would, would you take our audience back to that day, April of 2019? You are about to close up shop for the day in about another 10 minutes, and in walks who with what? Uh, well, uh, in walked Hunter with uh, three laptops. At first, I didn't know it was him. I'm visually impaired, so I have an operational vision about four to eight inches. I can see somewhat to move around between four to eight feet. So when customers walk in, I typically can't tell who they are. And I never much paid attention to what Hunter Biden looked like. It just was never on my radar, nor in my inclination. So he came in, uh, stumbled in, I should say, and then uh, presented me with three liquid damage laptops that he wanted data off of the drive. Uh, I saw a Hunter Biden or a Bo Biden Foundation sticker on one of the laptops. And I instantly thought that the uh, these were possibly his deceased brother's laptops. And then he was just trying to get memories off of these devices, which it's not unheard of in the industry to cater to that demand. So I kind of initially I felt bad for him, even though kind of had an air of entitlement and obviously had no appreciation for his technology. Uh, and then, uh, so I checked in, I was able to check in one of the machines to perform the data recovery. Uh, I called him up, I think the following Monday to have him come in and drop off an external drive. And then he did and, uh, build him the following day and never heard from him again. Was he a bit taken aback the day he brought those laptops into your shop that you didn't immediately recognize him and know who he was? Well, yeah, I, I definitely got that vibe. I The process I normally conduct is I, I ask the customer, can you please provide me your information so I can enter it into the system? And I asked for the first name, last name, phone number, email address. I asked for the first name, and he said Hunter. And then when I asked for the last name, he kind of looked at me and sarcastically kind of muttered Biden. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. John Paul, files that you discovered on Hunter Biden's laptop or laptops show allegedly what? Incriminating emails, text messages, photos, and financial documents, correct? Uh, yes. Uh, initially, during the data transfer, because of the condition of the machine, it was powering off because of the liquid damage. I had to kind of manually drag and drop uh, individual folders and files. And in the verification process, that's when I was presented with quite a lot of homemade porn. Uh, that initially was not that big of a concern until his father announced a couple of weeks later that he was going to run for president. So then I just assumed that this dirty laundry would be swept underneath the carpet by the Secret Service, as the Secret Service has done many times for the Biden family, and I would be swept under the carpet with them. Now, did the emails that you saw on Hunter Biden's laptop allegedly show that he was involved in foreign business dealings, for example, Russia, Ukraine or China? I saw a lot of stuff about the Ukraine. Now, keep in mind, once this became my possession uh, in the mid-summer, about July, mid-July of 2019, uh, Hunter Biden and his business dealings with Ukraine were in the news. So I had seen some documents prior during the data transfer that kind of clued me into a lot of money being exchanged and a lot of services being granted in exchange for that money. 
And I, I did a deep dive into the laptop, and what I saw was a blatant pay-for-play scheme running out of the, the vice president's office. Uh, a lot of money exchanging hands, uh, a lot of money in Kazakhstan, Romania, Ukraine, and, of course, China. Did you see any evidence on the laptop that allegedly connects Joe Biden, then vice president, to any of Hunter Biden's business dealings? I Yes. Uh, Hunter was very careful to constantly refer to his father as my guy or the big guy uh, in a lot of these communications. Uh, but you can when you put it when you put the events of the Ukraine in 2014 in a timeline and you see when Devin Archer and Hunter hatched the idea about using Hunter's father to show uh, potential business opportunities in the Ukraine that they had the full force of the Obama administration behind them. Uh, they took that and then took Devin went to uh, who was already a board member of Burisma at the time, took that information to Joe Biden right before Joe Biden went to the Ukraine to do a tour and, and announced he's the hood ornament of the administration's policies and, uh, towards Ukraine. And that was actually presented to Burisma as a value added to show that we can have this much influence uh, hire us. And shortly thereafter, Hunter was appointed to the board of directors. John Paul, in retrospect, anybody who turns their laptop into a computer repair shop, such as the one that you owned in Delaware, obviously knows what's on those laptops. So why, in retrospect, do you think that Hunter Biden never returned? Is there any idea in your mind that you think that he wanted this information to go public? I've thought about that. Um, You you know, it's I definitely got the impression that over the last, you know, couple decades, Hunter has basically been Joe's bag. And I can't imagine. I mean, I'm I'm proud to be my son's or my father's son. So I can you know, I just can't imagine him sharing in that pride. And so that's always been a possibility. Like this is maybe his cry for help. Um, his actions and behavior on the news over the past year and a half haven't demonstrated that. I mean, he's continuously brought up that this could be a Russian laptop. This could be a laptop that was stolen. This could be, you know, it might be my laptop. Um, that those those statements don't do anything to help me out at all. And it doesn't show any form of remorse. It, it shows he's participating in a cover-up. So I, I'm, I don't know what to think. Uh, I just know that from his, the condition that he was in, the two times he was in my shop, uh, I, I don't think he was in 100% control of his faculties, which makes me nervous because of the amount of foreign powers he had worked with over the past decade that he had been in that condition as well. Now, in December, John Paul, you hand over December 2019, you hand over the laptop's hard drive to the FBI. What was their response and what did your life become like then? Well, they finally took the laptop in the December, uh, December 9th of 2019. Uh, my father, because of my fears for retaliation and, and being, you know, losing my business and being forced from my home, uh, my fears caused me to approach my father, who's a 31-year career colonel in the Air Force, uh, to approach the FBI in Albuquerque. And when he did, the FBI basically slammed the door in his face, told him to lawyer up and don't speak of this again. So we didn't know what to do. About a month later, the FBI reached out to my father to get a hold of me. And when they did, they came to my house 
I presented them again with the opportunity to take everything, and they refused. I voiced my concerns, and basically all I wanted was some level of protection and to get this thing out of my shop. I was convinced that this was going to end my life, and I was just wanted nothing to do with it. And they still were apprehensive, but then they showed up at my shop on December 9th with a subpoena, and they took everything. I then assisted them in accessing the drive over the following week, and then they checked on me a couple more times just to see if anybody's been in the collective. That was the last I heard of the FBI. But it wasn't before they told me that nothing ever happens to people that don't talk about these things. So I, I just figured at that point, and then especially after seeing the impeachment trial go down without any mention of the contents of the laptop being submitted as evidence, I knew right then and there that the FBI had absolutely no intention of protecting me and had more than uh, their agenda was more in line with protecting the laptop and the people that had previously owned it. So let's fast forward to 2020, the presidential election uh, year. Eight months later, you alert then-President Donald Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who gave a copy of the hard drive to the New York Post, who broke the story in October 2020, three weeks before the presidential election. Now, what happened then uh, among people like Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff, who was at the time the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, and 51 other former intelligence officials? They call the laptop what? Russian disinformation? Well, initially, I think I think Twitter made the first move, and at that time, it was for me the most devastating because they they blocked the the spread of the story. They blocked the New York Post Twitter account for two weeks. Uh, they basically put an iron curtain around any talk or discussion, and they labeled their reasoning as this was based on hacked material, and that implied that I was a hacker. It wasn't long after that Adam Schiff came on uh, CNN and informed their viewers that this was all coming from the Kremlin. So pretty much right out of the gate with a collaborative and effort to march to the same beat, everybody came down with the same uh, story that this was Russian interference and this was hacked material. And, and from that point on, I was destroyed. And you end up closing your shop in, what, December of 2020? Uh, I actually tried to hang on for a couple of weeks. I closed the shop right before the election, and then I fled the state uh, a couple of days after on November 5th. How bad had things gotten for you, John Paul? Did you receive death threats? Did you have to have protection? Yeah, I, right out of the gate, I started receiving death threats and hate mail. Um, it got really scary because I was hoping... I woke up on the 14th thinking that I was going to be okay, and, and then all this started happening. Uh, so I, I immediately reached out to uh, Bob Costello, who was the, my point of contact at Rudy Giuliani's office, and I, I pleaded him for help, and he was able to make some contacts. And the next morning, I had a Wilmington uh, patrol car parked in front of my shop pretty much the entire duration that I was in the shop for the weeks that I remained open. I had a, a police presence, and I can't begin to thank the Wilmington Police Department and Bob Costello and all those involved. Uh, and my mother can't thank them enough either, I'll tell you that. And later on, you end up having to leave the shop, and you end up applying for unemployment. And what happened with that application? Well, yeah, I, uh, I figured in December uh, when I ended up in Colorado, I had, I had been paying into unemployment for 10 years in the Mac shop. And this is kind of a perfect opportunity to cash in on it. Plus, I was short on funds, 
again, I, I wasn't prepared for any of this. So uh, I started applying for unemployment. I was approved. And then uh, time passed, and I, I waited a month, and I, I filed a claim to see, check the status. Uh, that claim was ignored, and then I filed another claim. Uh, that one was responded to, uh, but saying, please stop filing the claims or more claims. I waited another month, filed another claim, and this this basically went on. I even got my lawyer involved to see if he could make any headway. Uh, it just seemed like every time I would go on and speak with somebody that it, my file was deleted or it was just erased. Uh, I eventually gave up because during the summer, my, my attention focused in on my, my legal battles with Twitter. Um, but by finally December of 2021, I had, had enough, and I wrote a letter to Chris Coons basically pointing out that this could be perceived as a politically motivated attack by a perceived political opponent. And I'd hate to have a state agency involved in that. And I uh, received a phone call about a week later and received some of the, the money that was owed to me. But it's, it shouldn't, you shouldn't have to write a letter to, uh, to get something that I, I lawfully and, and you know, for all intents and purposes was, was given and granted. We're talking with John Paul Mac Isaac, the owner of the now shuttered the Mac shop in Delaware, where Hunter Biden brought his laptops into. Now, you ended up suing uh, Twitter in December of 2020. And uh, what happened with that lo- lawsuit? Well, the lawsuit was actually going great. Twitter put up the, uh, the 230 defense and we beat it uh, because for this time, Twitter wasn't publishing a narrative or, or somebody's comments or statements or the defamation. They actually were the authors. They're the ones that decided that this was hacked material. And Dorsey even said in front of Congress that this was a business decision and he regretted it and it was a hasty decision. So we actually beat the 230 and things were looking pretty good. And then sometime in mid-May, uh, they switched judges. And we ended up with an Obama-appointed judge that promptly – uh, dismissed the case with prejudice and awarded Twitter the uh, Florida slap uh, statute, which required me to pay Twitter's legal fees. And now, John Paul, your attorneys have recently filed yet another lawsuit, and this one is against Representative Adam Schiff, CNN, The Daily Beast, and Politico. So what does this suit allege, and what damages are you seeking? Well, first, I'll, I'll say that after I pretty much got destroyed by Twitter, um, I, I honestly, I never thought I'd have an opportunity to defend my action and hold those accountable in a court of law. I, it it uh, kind of put me in a dark place, and I use that energy to write a book, and then I try to get justice that way. Try to appeal to people and try to get accountability in the court of public opinion. Uh, this all changed for me about a month ago when uh, Joe Flynn, uh, General Flynn's uh, brother approached my attorney at offering to uh, fund a lawsuit. And we had been hoping and praying for funding to come in to go after Adam Schiff ever since he was on CNN. Uh, But that just wasn't in the the books because of Twitter. And uh, so I was, I never thought I would have this opportunity. And Joe Flynn and the America Project have stepped up and, and within the month we were able to take everything that we were hoping that we would one day be able to put together, and now we're able to uh, go on the offensive and hold these people accountable. How surprised were you, uh, and John Paul, in the spring of this year, March and April, when the New York Times and the Washington Post admitted to the authenticity of Hunter Biden's laptops? 
uh, better late than never, but it's kind of, it makes me wonder why they were so interested in colluding to go with the Russian disinformation narrative back then and, and why they're changing their minds now. Is it that uh, something's happening that's coming that's going to affect Hunter and, and his investigations, or have they chosen a new fearless leader? Uh, it, it's it's hard to tell, but it's I'm glad that finally I'm getting some vindication. I just uh, you know took a year and a half to get there. And John Paul, you have written a book, as you alluded to a couple moments ago, called American Injustice, My Battle to Expose the Truth. And please tell our listeners about it. And when will this hit the uh, hit the shelves and be out? Uh, it's basically a chronicle of uh, from April 12th to the time I got on the plane to flee the state. And it, it documents my interactions with Hunter, with the FBI, uh, with pretty much anybody that I was trying to reach out with at the time to get this story out. And then the, uh, the collaborative and colluded also to mainstream social and, and uh, federal agencies to, to suppress the story and keep it quiet. Uh, I, I never thought I'd even get the book published because most people, when I was trying to get this thing out there, still believe that I was part of a Russian disinformation scheme and I wasn't getting calls returned or anything. So I have to really say thank you to Miranda Devine for, helping me uh, get my voice heard, because if it wasn't for her, I, I don't think I'd, I'd have that opportunity to uh, to share my story with the American people. Uh, the book is going on. Uh, it's on pre-order now on Amazon. Uh, American Injustice. It's not my injustice. The, I definitely feel like there's been some injustice. Uh, this this is an injustice to the nation. Like we, we had an election tampered with. It was blamed on Russia, there was consequences. And this is a real story that we had a right to hear that was repressed. And I think it's important for uh, you know that to never happen again. And that's why I want to hold these people accountable in the lawsuit. That's why I want to share my story with everyone so that they can be held accountable through the writings in the book. John Paul, if you could go back in time, would you handle any of this differently? Do you have any regrets at all? I don't have any regrets. I think I would have uh, reached out to Rudy Giuliani's office at the same time as the FBI. Uh, I, I, I'm a naive repairman. I, I see something that's broken, and I see an opportunity to fix it. And sometimes you have to wait for things to break before they can be fixed. And I believe that the FBI was the proper chain of command or the proper course of action, that when you see something that poses – that's illegal – that poses a national security threat or endangers the lives of other people, you need to bring this to the authority. And the FBI is supposed to be that authority. And if I didn't go to the FBI, if I went straight to the media, or if I tried to sell out, or I would be doing an, a disjustice or an injustice to the system. And I believe that the system is there for a reason. It's just a little broken, and we got to fix it. So after this uh, second lawsuit that's been filed against Representative Schiff, CNN, The Daily Beast, and Politico is concluded and your book comes out, would you ever sit back and consider running for office or have you already considered it? Oh, geez. What a question, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I... Has anybody I, ever I, asked I, you that before? Maybe. I, I think that the founding fathers of this country envisioned this job or any job in D.C. as a part-time job. 
And if you felt like you did, I always felt that if, if you did good in your personal life and you were re- ready to contribute that to the betterment of the nation, then you hung up your hat and you hung up your plow and you went to D.C. And then you did a little bit and then you went home when you were done. And if that if there is a portion of my life that I can contribute to that, then then I won't I wouldn't rule it out. I don't think I've done enough in my personal life. And I think I still have a lot more fighting to do for the country to make sure that what happened to me happens to nobody ever again, because this is this isn't right. I was quite happy fixing Max and helping out people in my community. And I'm never going to get that back. And if I can fight to make sure nobody else has that taken away from them, then I will. If there's anything beyond that, and and I I feel like I can contribute, then why stop here? John Paul, Mac Isaac, is there anything else at all that you'd like to say or share with our listeners? I just want to let everybody that has supported me, and either through my Gibson though, which has definitely saved me from bankruptcy, but more importantly, just the love that I have received has countered all the hate. I mean, initially it was mostly hate, but now it's like, I, I just, the support that I've been given has given me the strength to continue to fight. And now it is beyond just a will to fight. It is like my mission. And I owe it to the American people that have stood behind me because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. So I want to say thank you to them. And thank you very much for your time and for the interview, John Paul Mac Isaac. We really, really appreciate your time here at 77 WABC and for the 77 WABC Early News as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So uh, I, I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate the opportunity to get to speak with you. Thank you so very much.